James chapter 5. We're, we're continuing our series entitled The Ecclesia. It's our theme for the year, the power of God given to his church. Gospel of Matthew chapter 18. I'm in part three of this, this, this vein the Holy Spirit has us in. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against what I build. And I have given you the keys of the kingdom. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. It's not a key. There are keys. It's plural. There's keys. There's, there's certain keys that unlock certain things. There's not one key that unlocks everything. There's certain keys that unlock certain things. And I found that the more sophisticated the key is an indicator as the more precious the treasure on the inside. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. This is a prepositional phrase. It does not mean keys to the kingdom. In other words, here's the keys. Go do whatever you want. No, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind is bound and whatever you loose is loose based upon what key you use. There are some things that are bound up in our life simply because we're either standing at the wrong gate to use the right key or we're standing at the right gate using the wrong key. And whatever you unlock is unlocked. I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. And today I want to give you another key. I want to open up the text and I want to give you another key. And I will submit to you that this is a bigger key, a more pronounced key, because you'll see this thread all throughout the life of Christ. Today, I want to talk to you about prayer is a kingdom key. Prayer, it is a kingdom key. We've taught you in this generation of church that praise fixes everything. Praise doesn't fix everything. Praise doesn't unlock everything. Praise is powerful. It is a significant key. But praise is not the all, in all, be all. It is not the master key that unlocks everything. There are only some things that come when you use the key of prayer. When the demons came and the disciples came to confront the demon and the demons, Jesus, the disciples are like, why didn't we do fix this situation? He said, because there's only some things that come through the kingdom key of prayer and Because praise doesn't fix everything. But there is a kingdom key called prayer. And, and, and let's be transparent. Every one of us know that we should pray. Every one of us know that we should probably pray a little more than what we should. But I'm afraid. That the only way I know how to describe prayer is I'm afraid that most of us approach prayer like the national anthem. We, we do it out of tradition. We do it because we're patriotic towards it. We do it because we know we should show honor and, and homage to it. We, we know that we should probably do it before we eat. We know that we should probably do it before we go to sleep. We know we should probably do it maybe first thing when we wake up. We, we, but we treat it like the national anthem as it relates to a game. We do it, and it's the first thing we do, but it has no effect on what we're actually doing. And there are many of us that don't understand the significance of the key of prayer. Well, that's my assignment today. I'm trying to pull you out of treating it like the national anthem and pull you into the fact that if you use this key, it can do supernatural things. Jesus said that you have not because you ask not. There are some things that only come by way of prayer. And what is prayer? Prayer is relational. It's relational communication with God. That doesn't mean you got to have King James down. For thou wouldest cometh before it goneth, to doeth exceedingly and abundantly. For, the, for thou with all Godeth. And, and I'm wondering if he's Sylvester with a suffering succotash. Because if we don't spit on people, it ain't anointed enough. Prayer is communication with God. It's relational communication with God. But the goal of prayer 
is to loose heaven's authority into the earth realm. The reason I pray is because there are things in the heavenly realm that are not being given to me. They are either bound up in heaven and I come by way of communication with God to use the key of prayer to unlock the windows of heaven and let it be loose into my I come to be, uh, be an instrument with the key at the gate saying, Lord, release what's in heaven in the heavenly realm right here into the earth realm. That's what prayer is. Now, here's the confusing part of prayer is because we don't understand that God has two wills. It's one will, but it's manifested in two ways. It's, it's what is described as the unconditional will of God and the conditional will of God. Hang with me, class. He has the uncon his unconditional will. It means it doesn't matter what you pray. It doesn't matter how long you fast. It doesn't matter how. There is, he has his unconditional will. He doesn't need you to be saved. He doesn't need America to turn from its wicked ways. He doesn't need all these other things. He has an unconditional will of his. And it does not matter what we say, what we do, how spiritual we are or aren't that is going to sway him from what his will is. The unconditional will of God. But there's also the conditional will of God. In other words, he has things that are laid up for you and me. But unless we come to him, he's not going to allow it to be released. In, let me prove it to you. If my people, condition, who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal. Condition. In other words, there is healing for our land that is locked up, but it's conditioned on the people who will pray. And seek and turn. Well, we've been praying for God to heal the land. Well, maybe we need to start turning. Okay. Ask. And you shall re condition. Seek and you shall knock and it will be condition. There, there are dimensions of the conditions, the will of God, that is some are unconditional and some are conditional. And here's where it's confusing being a believer. Because is what I'm asking unconditional for God? Are conditional. I know that he sent his word to heal all my diseases. It's unconditional. But are you going to heal me here? Or heal me in heaven? Condition. Is this unconditional? No. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. But I'm still battling. Is it unconditional? Or is this the conditional will of God for me? This is where we struggle. And if you don't struggle, come up here and preach this message. Because I need to learn too. Because it's easy to shout and decree a thing, but wonder if it's really happening for me. Okay. So, so let me help you from the beginning. God answers every prayer one of three ways. Every prayer he answers. Yes, period. No, period. Wait, dot, dot, dot. He answers every prayer. He either says yes, or he says no, or he says wait. Okay. This is why Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at this. Rejoice, but pray without 
This is why we have to pray about everything. Because I don't know if it's conditional will of God or the unconditional will of God. I don't know if this is what he's going to do because he has decided or if there are blessings or things that he has locked up but because I have not asked or I have not knocked or I have not been seeking, I have not found, that he has not answered or he has not opened. I'm not sure which one is which. So I come to him in prayer without ceasing because I'm not real sure. Okay, because prayer is a spiritual discipline that connects eternity into time. Okay, if I'm not praying, I'm not being spiritual. But if I'm praying, I am unlocking my spirituality and I am engaging with the heavenly realm. This is why it's so hard to pray. Because I have to deny myself, deny my own mentality. This is, why, this is why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that I should pray in tongues, I should pray with my understanding, and I should pray without my understanding. I should sing with my understanding, I should sing without my understanding. Because there's sometimes my brain gets in the way. But I should pray. And then there are seasons, according to Romans, that there are seasons we don't even know what to pray. So the Holy Spirit will come and pray through us with groanings that we cannot even utter because it can't afford for our fickle mind to get in the way. Okay. I hear so many people say, well, what's the will of God for my life? Well, there it is. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks. That's the will of God for your life in Christ Jesus. You now know the will of God. Isn't that exciting? But here's something I want you to understand. Prayer does not get God to do something he does not want to do. Okay? Prayer is not manipulative. This is why we must pray according to the will of the Lord for our life. Even if we don't know what it is, we know that he is. This is what I, I tell my kids all the time. Because they're, they're in that stage where they're trying to figure out life. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plan that I have for you, declares the Lord. It's to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. I know the plan. You don't have to know the plan, son. You just have to stay with the one who does. And if you'll stay with the one who does, even if you don't know the plan, you know he has the plan. So stay with the one who has the plan, and it'll all work out according to his plan. Prayer does not make God do something he does not want to do. But prayer is the key to unlock heaven's power into the earth's realm. Prayer. It, it unlocks heaven's power and it brings it into the earth realm. This is why prayer is so important. What I love about this is Isaiah 65 verse 24. Listen to what it says. It shall come to pass that before you even pray, I already have answered you. The answer is already waiting before you ever brought your ask to the equation. You see how I had to slow down on that one? The answer is already there before the ask ever showed up. Before, I already know what you have need of. I already have the answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. What a promise from the Lord. That the answer is there. It's waiting on me. All I have to do is begin to ask. This brings us to the book of James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Look at the text. Let him pray. Here's the key. Pray. If you're going through it, pray. Okay. It is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. Pray about it. If you, uh, 
You can pray about it or you can worry about it. And if you're going to pray about it, then don't worry about it. But if you're going to worry about it, well, you might as well not even pray about it. If you're suffering, pray. Operate with the key that unlocks heaven's authority into the earth realm. Pray. And, and maybe you ain't suffering, maybe you're cheerful. Then praise. So there should never be a moment I'm not communicating to God. So if I'm going through it, I'm praying to him. And if I've already made it over, I'm thanking him for it. Okay. Verse 14. Is anyone sick among you? Now, now look at the text. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. If you're suffering, you need to pray. But if you're sick, we need to pray. That, that word in the Greek is weary. If there are any weary among you, that is the time to bring yourself and your weariness to the elders of the church. And let them anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith in the name of the Lord. Listen, this became so awakened in me that, that I'm doing in two weeks, we're going to fulfill this scripture. In two weeks. Listen. And the reason why I'm giving you this in now is because I want you to have expectation, number one. But number two, people that are listening and watching that are just dealing with chronic sickness, that is the time to get in your car and make it down here. Because we're going to anoint every single person. We're going to pray the prayer of faith over every single person. And we're going to watch God bring healing in Jesus' name. Two weeks. In two weeks. That's women's conference weekend, I believe it is. So we're just going to be worn out from the very beginning. You got what I'm saying? That gives all y'all plenty of time. Even, listen, there are 108 nations. Last, last week we had over 1,005,000 people that were a part of the services. To God be the glory. Go ahead and hop in the plane and come on down. You understand? And I believe however you hopped on that plane, you're going to be dancing on the way back in Jesus' name. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. I just give that to you. If you are weary, if there is any sick among you, do not keep weariness inside. And do not think that your prayer is going to fix your weariness. But gather with the spiritual elders of the house and let them anoint. Look at what the text says. In the name of the Lord, verse 15. And the prayer of faith. That's what we're going to do in two weeks. And the prayer of faith will restore the weary and the Lord will raise him up. In other words, that word save in the original is restoration, which means to bring back into its original intent. God is going to bring you back into what he originally intended you to be. Watch this. That while you believe in God for the solution, he is restoring you from your weariness. But here, here, here's the problem. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because we like our plastic Christianity. We like this mannequin man of God. Confess your sins to one another and... Well, let me get my keys out. Oh, you got sin? Okay, hang on a second. I, let me get my keys. Listen, don't confess to somebody who's not going to pray. Confess your sins to one another and then pray. But don't go telling somebody something who's going to talk about you but not pray for you. This is how we get hurt in church. 
We start making confession to people that aren't mature enough to go to God with it. They go to Facebook. Okay. Watch this. That you may be healed. Confession. Okay. Here it is. Every sickness is not because of sin. But there are some sicknesses that are because of sin. So we can come up here and baptize you in olive oil. But if you don't make confession, you can't be forgiven. And if you're not forgiven, you can't be healed. It requires confession. God have mercy. This is why. Oh, God have mercy. This is why you can't hold it for years. This is why you can't choke it down for years. This is why you have to confess issues. Thank you, Holy Ghost. God be the glory. I feel the presence of the Lord. This is why you have to make confession. Because confession is made known unto salvation. Every sickness is not because of a sin. But there are some sicknesses that manifest because of unconfessed sin. But when I confess... And I pray, it puts me in the place where healing is released. Okay. Now here's my text. Oh, Lord, this is my, ah, this is my good one. You ready? I'm a King James boy. For the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. For the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, that word effectual in the Greek means energized. That means I have an intensity about my prayer. That there is a passion about my prayer. That it is something I am passionate about. I am intense about. I'm not coming in here with vain repetitions. I'm not coming in here just trying to work through the platitudes. I'm not in here trying to be real. No, but I am energized by the fact that I get to go boldly before the throne of grace and talk, not only call him king, but also call him my father. It is effectual. In other words, it affects something. It affects my emotions. It affects my mind. It affects my approach. Watch this. The effectual fervent. That means focused. That I'm focused. I didn't have time in the first service. One of my favorite things about Christianity in the continent of Africa is there are African tribes almost in every country in, those, in, that, in that continent. And for hours they get up and all they do from 4 o'clock in the morning until 6 o'clock in the morning is just pace back and forth. They're praying and they're believing. And they don't allow themselves to get on their knees because they don't want to fall asleep. So they just pace back and forth and for hours. And then all of a sudden, hundreds of them will just gather together and just, just begin to pray, walking back and forth. Why? Because they're focusing and they're energizing because they know that God could unlock something in the heavenly realm that would be released in their natural realm. It availeth. That word availeth means to force, to push out. This going to make sense in a minute. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man forces. That word much in the Greek means Beyond the common. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man forces the uncommon to be released. My energized, focused prayer forces the uncommon. It forces the supernatural uncommon things of God to be released into my life. According to his will. Now, most of the time we would stop there. But then James gives us an illustration of this effectual fervent prayer that availeth much. Verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Here's what that means. He wasn't superhuman. He wasn't some super Christian. As a matter of fact, we know he battled with depression. Yeah. 
He lived in fear of a woman. He had a nature like ours. Watch this. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, I can't, I can't not illustrate this. This is found in 1 Kings chapter 18. It, Elijah has come in, verse 41. And Elijah says to Ahab, now, now this is country, okay? This is country. If you're from the north, just bear with me. I have a college degree, even though my language doesn't sound like it. Boy, you better get up. You better get you something to eat. You better get you something to drink. Because I've heard the sound of an abundance of rain. You've been in a drought for three and a half years. But you better get up. Listen, he's, for three and a half years they have lived in famine because of this drought. Food is hard to find. Water is hard to find. But Elijah looks at Ahab and says, for what God is about to do, you might want to find something to eat. You better go get some red. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You better, I almost said purple drink, but some of y'all, that means something else to some people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We all got testimonies. You better get up, get you something to eat. You better get you something to drink. Because I haven't seen it, but I heard the abundance from the sound of rain. Why in the world would he say such a thing? We find out in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 1. That in verse seven, in chapter 17, he prayed that it would happen. And in verse 18, look at what happened. The Lord came with the word of the Lord to Elijah. Chapter 18, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. And in the third year saying, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. What am I saying? I'm saying that the reason he went to Ahab is because God told Elijah what was about to happen. God told Elijah it was God's word that was coming to pass, not Elijah's word. That God was about to send the abundance of rain. He didn't see the rain. He hadn't seen a cloud. He hadn't heard any thunder. But what he heard was a word from the Lord. And that was enough for him to go say, you better get ready. Because what's about to happen is going to be the abundance of rain. Because I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. How did he hear the sound? All he heard was from the Lord. Faith cometh by and hearing this is why when I pray, I am most effective when I am praying the Word of God. When I'm praying what He says about my situation, when I'm praying what He says about my family, when I'm praying about what He says about my health, I am most effective and fervent when I am praying the God says over our lives. So He says, well, uh, if you're struggling today, you should be praying Psalm 42. If you need repentance today, you should be praying Psalm 51. If you're dealing with a spirit of fear and worry and being full of anxiety, you should be praying Psalm 34. The Bible tells us in Psalm 132 that he has exalted his word even above his own name. That's how important the word of the Lord is. So verse 42, he says to Ahab, Boy, you better get up and get you something to eat. Maybe get you something to drink. Look at this. And Elijah goes to the top of Mount Carmel. Oh, I've been there five times. I preached there once. They haven't let me preach there again. If I ever get the privilege of preaching on Mount Carmel again, I will preach this text. Not where the fire fell, but where the sound of rain came. For you see, he says, uh, I'm going to go up to Mount Carmel, but I want my servant to position himself to look at the sea. If you've never been there, you don't understand. 
The distance to find water from Mount Carmel, if there's any kind of haze, any kind of cloudiness, you won't be able to see it clearly. He looks at his servant and says, I want you to go watch because I'm going to pray. Okay. So he takes the key of prayer. Y'all see the text, right? This is about as far as it gets. <laughs> when the roll is caught up yonder, you understand? <laughs> he puts his head between his knees and begins to pray. Now, see, what you don't understand is that when a woman is ready to deliver, She positions herself in the posture of one who is about to deliver. He put his head between his knees like a woman who's pregnant and her water has broke. They're in a drought. But he knew his water broke. Okay, all right. Y'all ain't, ain't ready for this. In the spirit realm, he heard God and it made his water break. So he positioned himself to travail. He positioned himself for deliverance. Elijah got into the delivery posture that says, if I don't birth this thing, God said it, but Elijah had to use the key of prayer to birth it. Okay. So he puts his face between his knees and then sends his servant to look. Go look. I'm going to travail. Servant comes back. Hey, uh, Biggie. Nothing. Elijah goes, oh, it didn't work the first time. Well, maybe we shouldn't pray anymore. He said, really? It didn't work the first time? It's no problem. Go look again. And he kept on praying. Can you keep praying? Even when God doesn't do it the first time. Can you keep praying even when he doesn't do it the second time? Can you keep praying even when he doesn't do it the third time? Can you keep travailing even when he doesn't do it the fourth time? Can you keep travailing even when he doesn't do it the fifth time? Can you keep praying even when he doesn't do it the sixth time? Huh. He, he prayed. And seven times, I love this, he's praying and said, go again. Verse 44. And on the seventh time, can you keep praying even when the people connected to you can't see God doing it? Can you keep praying even when you don't see God? The people closest to you don't see God doing it. Here it comes in. Comes in. Seventh time. Seven, the number of completion. Mm, I love the text. I've had my finished work. Servant comes over and says, Hey, hey, Elijah. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I, 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 I see something. Have you ever been praying so long that all of a sudden you wonder if you're delusional? That you've seen a mirage? 
You, you almost feel sorry for the person that's been praying for this long, for this many things. So you want to help them? He said, I, I, I saw something on the seventh time. Well, what would you see? He said, I saw a cloud about this size. The word of the Lord is the abundance of rain. But the only thing that manifested was a cloud about this side. Oh. But if you don't know how far that was, you won't understand the power of what was on the way. Because if you can see a cloud this size from that perspective, it's going to have to be a big cloud to be seen from this. It was a little thing. But it was enough for Elijah to begin to operate with. Do you need God to overwhelm you before you move? Or do you just need him to do a little thing to let you know it's changing in the right direction? Ah! Okay, all right. Y'all not going to get this. I said this in the first service. And it was gross, but it worked. Do you know when I found out that my wife had my son on the inside of her? When she brought me a stick. She didn't bring me a big old belly. She didn't have that little alien waving at me through the skin. All she brought me was a stick. And the stick changed was enough to build my faith that there was something on the inside. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. The indicator of the change of that stick was what? Urine. Okay, y'all not going to talk to me. It's okay. It's okay. It was the waste of her body that gave her the indicator. There was something, I don't hear what I'm saying. It was something that had to get out of her. That was the indicator of something being developed within her. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. What looked like a waste had a protein in it to be the indicator that there was something new being developed on the inside. What am I saying? I'm saying even if they turn in the wrong direction, you want to know there's movement happening. Even if they get a little worse, it's an indicator there's a move happening. He may use even what be, looks like a waste to be the indicator that God is on the move. Do you have to have him do something big to run with? Or even just a little shift as an indicator? It's time to run. Look at what he says. He says, go tell Ahab. Are y'all okay? He says, go tell Ahab. You, 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 better, you better hop in that chariot. If he had a little bishop in him, he'd say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You, you, better, you better hop in that chariot. We've done seen a cloud the size of a man's. Ahab hops up in the chariot. Because what's on the way is going to get you stuck if you don't beat it to where you're headed. Okay. 
Jezreel was 15 miles from Mount Carmel. And here's Ahab. He was the one who received the prophecy that was birthed in prayer. And it was enough for him to hop in the chariot and get going. But for the one who was travailing, the one who pushed this thing from the heavenly realm into the earth realm, the Bible says, look at verse 46, that the, I love the book. What did the servant see? A cloud the size of a man's. The one who was watching saw the hand, but the one who was travailing felt the hand. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. Oh, I can't wait for the 1130, Lonnie. And he... Girded his loins. If this was a men's conference. The title of my sermon would be Gird Your Loins. There's way too many spiritual eunuchs. Who don't have enough loins to gird. Okay, I'm not going to preach that here, but I'll wait for the 1130. Okay. I, I'm going to have to gird my loins. So he girds his loins. And the hand of the Lord was on him. See, when the hand of the Lord is on you, it'll give you big loins to gird. Okay, I'm... I'm I, I'm preaching, and I hope you're hearing. But it's hard to have big loins to gird when you don't have the hand of God on you. You may have a big attitude. But when you know the hand of God is on you, you'll, you'll gird your loins with the word that he got. And look at what happened. He girded his loins and ran ahead. And ran 15 miles, watch this, and got there faster because he was a man of prayer, not just had a prophecy. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. He got there faster. Okay. Y'all remember the three types of answers God gives? He says, is already ran on but the one who was travailing in prayer okay some of you need text you need scripture Isaiah 40 they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up on wings as eagles they shall, they'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not, it didn't matter if it was 15 miles or 50 miles. He waited on the Lord. He renewed his strength and he ran with what God gave. Because the effectual, 
fervent, come on, prayer forces the uncommon. Today, this is what prayer can do. If somebody can bring me some oxygen. I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. Yes, no, or wait until the strength comes that you can now run the prophecy. Because you're running in promise. Today, I'm ending this sermon by simply telling you something that an old church mother told me years and years ago. She said, Glenn, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Some prayer, some power. More prayer, more power. You can pray about it or you can worry about it. But if you're going to pray about it, don't worry about it. But if you're going to worry about it, don't even pray about it. Before we leave this place, somebody needs to pray. You've been thinking about your situation. You've not been praying about your situation. You've been talking about your situation. But you've not been praying about your situation. The kingdom key of prayer. When I loose heaven's authority, it releases it into the earth realm. Two weeks ago, the Lord said this to me. He said, son, when you pray, it unlocks heaven. And I am Jehovah Sabbath. I am the God of angel armies. I have messaging angels. And I have warring angels. Whatever you bind is bound. And whatever you loose is loosed. Lord, teach us to pray. Right where you are, I want you to get one need. Whether it's for you, whether it's for somebody connected to you, I want you to get one need in the forefront of your mind. And you know what we're going to do before we leave? We're going to pray about it. If there is a person that is attached to this, in a minute I'm going to ask you to say their name in this atmosphere. Not because I want to hear it or your neighbor needs to hear it, but because, watch this, God needs to hear your faith, and the enemy needs to hear he should be afraid. Do you have it? Now, when we call their name, if it's attached to a name, if it's attached to a need, maybe, thank you, Holy Spirit, it's a diagnosis. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want you to name it. Depression, anxiety, learning disability in my child, my grandchild. Sickness, addiction, bondage, perversion, confusion. I want you to name it. And then we're going to pray an effectual, fervent prayer. And believe that God is going to hear the prayer of the righteous. And the uncommon is going to be released into the natural realm. Are you with me this morning?
Every person that is on the prayer team, hop up out of your seat and meet me in this front. If you're on the prayer team, and I don't care if it's your Sunday or not. No, no, y'all gonna pray. We're not praying for people. We're praying. Sorry. Just turn around. Let's, we're gonna pray. You're gonna be the cat. Now, watch this. Every prayer warrior, hop up on your feet. And if you're a person of prayer, cool, just, you're good. You're good right there. But you know that God has called you into warring in the prayer, supernatural realm. I'm asking you to be the catalyst for effectual, fervent prayer. We're going to pray. And we're going to believe. And we're going to call those things which aren't as though they were. And we believe that he'll send his word and heal the sick. Restoration. Strength will come. Weariness will go. We believe that God will set up roadblocks on the road to hell for prodigals. We believe that he'll even send angels for them to encounter. But for the next two minutes, I want us to pray on the count of three. I want you to name that thing or name that person. You ready? One, two, three. Name it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In that name, depression has to bow. In that name, anxiety has to bow. In that name, sexual confusion has to bow. In that name, chaos has to bow. In that name, healing must be released. In that name, deliverance comes. In that name, the abundance of rain begins to flow. We come to you in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh over our lives you are the God who answers by fire you are the God who whispers for the weary today I ask you to put a run in their legs for those that are ready to fall over and faint I pray that you would put strength into their walk today. For those who feel like they have been grounded by life, we pray for the wind of the Spirit to blow in this place that they may mount up on wings like an eagle. Oh, in the name of Jesus, you're able, you're able you're able. Now fake him for it. Fake him for it. Fake him for it. Fake him like it's already done. Praise him like it's already done. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. Oh, I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I want you to open up your hands real wide. Just open up your hands real wide. Wind of the Spirit of God blow in this house. Let the wind of God blow in this house that you may mount up on wings like an eagle. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Look at me for a second. Look at me for a second. I said I want you to open your hands real wide. I'm pastoring now. This is not condemnation. But I said, let the wind of the Spirit blow underneath your hands. And many of you did this. What if the difference between the wind of God blowing you to another level is from here 
to maximum effort. What, it, what is it about our lives that we only want to give God the part we want to give? But today, I'm asking, open your hands like you're about to receive the wind of God in this place. If I'm going to pray, I'm going to be fervent. It's going to be effectual. If I'm going to praise, I'm going to give you maximum effort. Wind of the Spirit of God. We ask you to blow in this room. Mount them up with wings like an eagle. Let them run and not grow weary. Let them walk and not faint. Oh God, teach us. Teach us. Somebody lift up a praise in this house today. Hey. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Oh, somebody worship the Lord. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm not turning. I'm not turning back now. Oh. I'm not turning back now. I'm not turning back now. Come on. I'm not turning back now. I'm going to wait, say. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. Hey. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm not turning. I'm not turning back now. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Like a tree. I'm not turning. 
scripture. I said this in the first service. It was prophetically, it's a word of knowledge. And I feel prompted of the Holy Spirit again in the second service. The King James reads that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. That is not limited to gender. But for the sake of this moment, men hear me. Our wives can't be the warriors in prayer alone. When, 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 when we started this church in 2011, we actually relaunched in 2012. We launched in prayer every Friday night. You remember? Every Friday night, we would gather together. We would do nothing but pray. This church was birthed in prayer. It's all we did was pray. As a matter of fact, I was so burnt and wounded by church, I didn't really want church. I wanted his presence. And every Friday night, we would gather together and do nothing but pray. Well, we would pray and then we would eat. Because where two or three are gathered, food is in the midst. You understand? But when we, when the Lord put it in my heart about a place called Praise in the city of Charlotte, I said, God, make this a man's church. Make this a man's church. And I mean no disrespect. But our society, you see everything outside of the auspice. It's amazing how many men think being a man is making a baby. Cockroaches make babies. That doesn't make them a man. Children. There is a difference between boyhood and manhood. And when I became a man, I put away the PS5. Okay, that was for free. If you've been to our men's bathroom, which hopefully none of the women have unless you've been cleaning on off days, there's a sign in there that says, this is a man's church. Now, in parentheses, ladies, it says, but it wouldn't be nothing without a woman or a girl. Don't make me sing it. Don't make me sing it. That's what you call culture. But I say, God, raise this to be a place where men, because somewhere along the way, we think that being spiritual is acting like a woman. Women are supposed to act like women. Men are supposed to act like men. And most of the time we don't pray is because we think we have to act emotional in order to pray. Y'all, my wife is emotional. When my children act up, she lives on nine, she goes to ten real quick. You hear me? But when I have to engage, I don't go to nine. I ain't going to nine. If I go to nine, somebody's getting thrown out the house. Like Jazzy Jeff with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't mean figuratively. I mean literally picked up and thrown out the house. All I have to do is change my expression. And my kids go. Now there are times when they get a little frisky and I got to do what I got to do. You understand? But watch this. When I discipline out of emotion, that's abuse. Because when I discipline my children, I discipline them for their good, not for my relief. Do you, do you understand? You understand? You understand? And, and let's be full transparent. I don't always get it right. There are sometimes they grab the tiger by the tail. My statement in my house is don't poke the bear. 
Don't poke them. You don't want me to get emotional. Because something's going to break. Now, some of y'all can't handle that. But that's reality. So when God birthed this place, I said, God, birth it to be a place where men get to be men. You don't have to scream, yell, run, you, as long as you're walking in authority. Be the man God has called you to be. Men categorically don't use as many words. But we surely get to the point a whole lot quicker. Do you understand? I'm saying that to say that when you pray, you don't have to tap into your emotions only. Stand in your place of authority. As a matter of fact, your family needs you to be the man of God. There's this thing in, in our culture that says, you know, we're, you know, he's my king. He's my queen. She's my queen. He's my king. She, listen, the revelation says that he's raised us to be kings and priests. And if you'll make sure your collar's on straight, she'll make sure your crown is. You should have a collar and a crown. Because your spiritual life will give you the authority of your home. And what I'm saying to you is you may not have to go in the war room of your wife and be in there for an hour and a half. But that shouldn't keep you out of the war room. That shouldn't keep you out of the war room. And there are times when you and I are going to have to push a deliverance for our family. Well, I don't have the proper anatomy. Yes, you do. We're all his bride. I'll let you fill in those blanks. We're all his bride. I said yes to the dress. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he comes, I'm getting my hair did with extensions. You understand? Oh, y'all didn't have to laugh that hard. Y'all didn't have to laugh that hard. What, what I'm saying to you men, what I'm saying to you men, is you can bring your masculinity to your prayer life. And you may not have to pray as long, but you have to pray. Your prayer avails much. Do you know what it would do to your marriage for your wife to hear you pray? Do you know what it would do for your children to hear you pray? I'm not talking about God is great, God is good. But to hear you, and it don't have to be for an hour and a half. We're, you may not be there yet. But if you're going to pray, make it effective. Make it fervent. So that it puts us uncommon things. Amen? Give him one last praise all over the room. I got to...